Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Visit the Vendor Process Training Center to enroll in your choice of 55 plus training sessions that will help you and your team avoid fraud, compliance fines, and bad vendor data. Or just sign up to get access to Vendor Process FAQs and to attend weekly drop-in live Q&A sessions. Visit training.deborahrrichardson.com today. The link will be in the show notes. Listen for four types of reports from your accounting system or ERP that can help in the war against internal and external fraud. Yes, I said war. Keep listening. Welcome to episode 236, No-Cost Fraud Prevention, Four Reports to Pull from Your Accounting System or ERP. Now, let me just, before I get started, let me talk about the word that I used of war. And the reason that I use the word war is because you keep finding these fraud Uh, attempts or attacks in your email, uh, on your phone. And it's just a conflict that won't go away. And so the, if you Google it, the basic definition of war is defined as a state of period, a state or period of armed hostile conflict between states, nations, or groups. So that's like the first thing, but when you de- Uh, When you dive deeper and keep reading, it says the science of warfare, also a state of hostility, antagonism, antagonism or conflict. And then the last one is a struggle between opposing forces for a particular goal. And that's where I think it hits the vendor team because you're always having that opposing force, meaning the fraudster, the cyber criminal that is trying for a particular goal. And that is to get you to change your vendor's remittance information or give up their sensitive data so that they can send a fake invoice uh, or uh, perpetrate another type of fraud at a later date. And so that is definitely a struggle between opposing forces for a particular goal. So yes, I'm going to start calling that 
right? The war against uh, fraud. And that's both internal and external. So I talked about the external with the fraudster, the cyber criminal, but it could be the same thing with an internal fraudster as well. And unfortunately, that continues or that type of fraud can continue under the radar for a very long time. And I've got uh, some reports that you can run uh, from your accounting system or ERP that should help with both internal and external fraud. I will say though that these, and I have four reports that I have no idea what they may be called in your particular accounting system or ERP, but I bet if you searched and looked at the description of those reports or maybe even the fields that are generated or that are included on the report, whether it's a straight report or a query that you can download into Excel or a CSV file, you can find something that matches these four scenarios that I'm going to talk about. That can help you avoid both internal and external fraud. So I have four. So we're going to start with the first one. The first one is vendors with no activity. Now, if you guys have listened to my podcast, watched my webinars, uh, been around me for any uh, time or period, you know that I advocate always to inactivate vendors that haven't had activity with your company in I don't know, 15, 18, 24 months. The most common is 24 months. Uh, And um, inactivating them means that those vendors are not susceptible then because they're inactive to internal fraud or external fraud. Um, Really, the less active vendor records, the less vendor records, right, that are um, susceptible to either uh, internal or external fraud. And so in a lot of the content that I produce, I always talk about an eight-step process to uh, clean your vendor master file. And the first step is always inactivating vendors because when you inactivate vendors, then you only have to take the remaining vendors through the uh, through the additional seven steps. Now I'm going to put a link to uh, that webinar where I talk about the eight steps to clean your vendor master file in case anyone wants to do that. This is coming up to um, what should be, and it depends on what you got going on. I know there are always always projects and accounts payable, but um, you're after the tax season. uh, And so you're coming into spring and summer. This could be a great time to clean your vendor master files. So like I said, I'm going to put a link in the show notes so you can check out that free webinar if you want those eight steps. But the first step is always the vendors with no activity. Um, Just inactivate them. And so you want to pull reports from your accounting system or ERP, and you might have to do multiple reports, but uh, you want to pull reports from four areas or make sure you include activity from four areas, invoicing, payment purchase order and vendor record update. Now a note about the purchase order, you want to have the date of the last purchase order. Actually for each of those, you want to have the last activity date, but for the purchase order, you also want to include open purchase orders, which may 
may or may not come with um, like a standard report. You might have to ask for open POs separately. But in any event, you want to make sure that you're um, that you're pulling the open POs because most systems you can't inactivate a vendor that has an open PO anyway. And so you want to just hurry up and rule them out and make sure you're pulling that uh, that data. And then the vendor record update, you might want to think, well, why do we care about that activity? Um, That's because part of the reason why you are cleaning that vendor master file and inactivating vendors with no activity is because their information can now be considered stale. However, if you have recently updated the vendor master file, that means that information is no longer stale. And most times when that information is updated, it's because they are about to open a PO or about to send an invoice through. And so you want to make sure you pull in that vendor record update activity as well. Not to mention the fact that that should include a create date. Uh, and if it doesn't, then you want to add the create date Uh, field to the report as well, because you don't want to inactivate vendors with no activity, but that activity is because they have just been created. So you do want to include the create date on that uh, as well. All right. So that's the first one, vendors with no activity. Pull that inactivate those vendors that are technically inactive across all four. That's no invoicing, no payments, no purchase orders, no vendor record updates, and they have not recently been created. All right. The second one is a pay cycle. So most systems or all systems should have a pay cycle report. Now, what I think is that you should pull a pay cycle report after that pay cycle has been run, but before it goes out of the door, let's say with a pay file to the bank um, with a bunch of ACHs, you're going to pay your vendors, or before you run uh, your checks to be printed, um, or before whatever whatever activity is required to do your um, purchasing cards or maybe wires, whatever your payment method is, run that pay cycle report before you process those payments. And so here's what you're going to look for. Um, You are going to review payments that were issued to vendors that have had recent um, remittance changes. And this is not just ACHs for banking, right? Because the fraudsters or cyber criminals are targeting both your vendor's banking as well as your vendor's checking or checks uh, as well, because they can whitewash those checks and then put whatever name, whatever amount on it that they want. And I talk more about the that topic for checks uh, in episode 226, which it's called Why is Check Fraud Exploding Right Now? So if you didn't know, check fraud is back with a vengeance. So it's not just ACH payments. So when you pull that pay cycle report, you want to look at the pay cycle reports for all your payment methods, including checks. And you want to review the uh, payment or the remittance information 
uh, that has been changed. So any vendors that have had remittance changes within the not, uh, last 30, 60, 90 days, whatever you want that to be, uh, then you pull that information or pull that vendor's record, go take a look at it, verify that your process to make that change was followed. If you require a confirmation call, verify that the confirmation call was done and completed and successful. If you require uh, a vendor banking form um, with, uh, let's say, a uh, on vendor letterhead or a banking letterhead with their banking on that as well, then verify that it was received and verify that uh, that uh, it was filled out correctly. So whatever your process is. You want to walk back through that process to make sure that it was done. And for that confirmation call, if you are not currently documenting uh, that the confirmation call was done, then you probably are missing a step here because we all know, uh, and I know you do too, especially if you're making those confirmation calls. And if you're not making a confirmation calls, then you can ask someone that is. Those vendors are not picking up the phone the first time you call or the first time that call is made. So you need to document the attempts all the way through until the attempt is, the last attempt is successful. And that person who's ever checking, right, that uh, pay cycle report needs to check that log to make sure that it was done. And so the fact that it's being checked at all means that it's more incentive for those team members to actually perform those uh, to perform those confirmation calls, and not just that to follow your process uh, in, in all. Because uh, part of the part of the issues with fraud that I see today is right. They have the confirmation call in place, but it's not being followed, or the vendors are not there, and no one continues. It's not consistent or they're just not following their process with collecting the right forms because right the froster got into their vendor's real email and sent an email from uh, or used a historical email string and so your employee thought that it was valid. So you need to make sure that you are following up um, on with these remittance changes and you can check that before the pay cycle goes out of the door. And if your team members uh, know that it's being checked and that is incentive for them to follow that process, whatever your process may be. All right. So that's the second one, pay cycle report. Look at vendors with remittance changes. And again, you can uh, have those remittance changes, that threshold be 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, uh, however long works for your vendor mix. The third one, so I'm going to venture in or away from vendors per se and talk about an invoice report. So you should be able to run some type of a report that lists all of the invoices um, that are um, have been approved or maybe that are being paid on that pay cycle. And maybe it's the same pay cycle report that I just talked about. But the point here is you want to check and you can do it for non-PO invoices because what you're really checking for are for those fake invoices that are uh, that tend to be submitted, right? They will uh, typically include fraudulent banking. So you might find it um, with the prior 
their pay cycle report if the fraud if the banking were uh, was updated. But I will tell you, I do not recommend that you change banking based on an invoice. First of all, it's hard to spot, especially if you have a large volume. And so any bank changes that don't go through your regular process uh, needs to go through your regular process. So don't take it from an invoice because it's it doesn't have, it should um, it you should have internal controls, best practices, authentication techniques tied into accepting vendors' banking or making changes to vendors' banking, and that invoice with uh, banking on it does not suffice. So, but you do want to make sure that you're catching any of those, and you can do that with an invoice report where uh, I would again suggest that you pull it for a non PO invoices. Now, if you want to do it for PO invoices too, you can, but you want to check things like, right, the number sequences um, to verify that, uh, that they are real invoices. And again, I am stressing non PO invoices because this is where not only that rogue spin can come from, which is the whole point of POs, but it's also where uh, fraudsters can sneak in those uh, invoices that are uh, fraudulent. And they, again, include the fake banking uh, or remit address so that they can divert that vendor's payments. Now you can check for, again, sequencing the invoice numbers. So anything that, you know, has that dash one that has a letter that's outside of the sequencing of that vendor's other invoices. And I know that some of you We'll add a dash one or A or B to that invoice number because you have to key it in and the original invoice went in, but something happened to it. But you need to make sure that you're correcting that original invoice and not creating another one with like a dash one just to get it processed. Because when you go to do a review, it's going to pull in that report and just increase the number of invoices that you need to review. Now, the other thing you can do is uh, the Benford's law on invoices. And so the theory is that if a froster submits fake invoices for payment, um, they won't submit, you know, invoices for 100 and 200. They'll want to go big and submit invoices for 900 or 800. And if you do that enough times, it really uh, upsets the natural order of the way numbers should occur. And this also extends to the invoice number sequence too. Like it's so many uh, invoice numbers that start with the one versus the two versus the three. And so check out Benford's law and uh, see if you can work that into your invoice review process to avoid fraud. So the fourth and the last one uh, has to do with the vendor master file and the add and change vendor flow. So that approval workflow. And this report can be run um, and can be used when there is no approval workflow, right, for vendor ads and changes. And so you just want to pull the activity from your um, accounting system or ERP when there has been a vendor that has been added 
um, between the specific dates you're using or change between the specific dates uh, that you are using. And it doesn't have to be before the pay cycle goes out, but it should be before any um, uh, that vendor is available for use if you are using it, for example, as a compensating control when there is a segregation of duties issue, uh, or if you just want that extra uh, that extra control in place to make sure that your processes are being followed, and so someone's reviewing and approving those ads and changes, and so you want to pull those reports from the system and you want to verify for ads that the proper uh, vendor supporting documentation was collected, the proper validations um, were done. And if you are doing this, um, just like you save your vendor supporting documentation um, that was used for the vendor ad or maybe even the vendor change, you want to make sure you're storing that somewhere that whoever run it is running this report can get to it. So if you're attaching it to the vendor uh, master file or to the vendor record in your accounting system or ERP, or maybe you have it on a separate drive um, in like a vendor folder, then you want to make sure that that, again, that you are saving all the supporting documentation, including uh, copies of uh, screenshots of the validations. And then that way, right, if the IRS 10 match was done and it was a match and successful, then the person reviewing the ad or the change can see that it was done and the process was followed. But the point here is to make sure that you're also saving screenshots of the validations. And so this also comes in handy uh, if you don't want to do the pay cycle review. You can implement this piece um, by when by setting it up so that when a vendor is added or when a vendor is changed, that the vendor is not approved. Now, whatever that looks like in your system whether that means that you have to put a payment hold on the vendor or you have to not flip the active switch, whatever that means in your system, the vendor should not be available for use uh, and until someone reviews the vendor uh, setup or the vendor change and make sure that the process was followed. Now, I've worked with clients in the past that did not have a... Uh, a workflow. Actually, they did have a workflow, approval workflow in place uh, in the system. They just didn't have it configured. Uh, and also um, they had a segregation of duties issue. So instead of having the person that created the vendor or changed the existing vendor record process it all the way through, um, they had them put that vendor on hold or the vendors on hold. And then they ran a report of all of the vendors that were on hold. And those were the vendors that they would have to go in and check. And then they would remove the hold and then the vendor would be available for um, posting of invoices and then paying those invoices. Or for that matter, uh, creating purchase orders as well. But if it if you don't want to hold the purchase orders up, then maybe you just put them on payment hold. It, again, it depends on your system and the type of uh, vendors that you have. 
All right, so those are the four reports that are really no-cost fraud prevention. The first one is pulling vendors with no activity because you want to inactivate vendors. The less active vendors you have available in your system, the less active vendors are susceptible to internal and external fraud. The next one was the pay cycle vendors, checking those vendors with remittance changes. So before those payments go out the door, verify that the processes um, were followed, your controls were followed uh, before those payments go out of the door um, to a fraudster. So you make sure everything um, is was done correctly before those payments go out. And then the third one was the invoice report. Here you're just checking to verify that there are no fake invoices. So you're using um, Benford's law, you're reviewing backup. um, And I do recommend that this be done for non- PO invoices. Uh, The next one, last one is the uh, reviewing the ads and change vendors. And this is for all vendors, um, not just vendors that appear on the pay cycle report and can be done in place of the pay cycle report uh, as well if you're doing all of the vendors. So you'll want to check the ads, uh, the vendor ads and the vendor changes Uh, especially if you have a segregation of duties issue and just verify again that the process was followed. And in this case, you want to make sure that you're putting them on payment hold or some kind of a hold so that that vendor is not available to um, post invoices and have payments made uh, until you verify that the processes were followed to add or change them. So good luck with the war on fraud. All right. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 236 episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy.